All right, everybody. Good morning. Nikki Burnett, Taste Life Nutrition. This is Taste Life Nutrition Radio, streaming live on KUHSDenver.com, where um, I think I say this every week now, but we bring in some of the really the coolest people. And I'm super excited today to have on Terry Tucker, who has a, uh, a really an amazing history and amazing lessons to, to, to give. And to, he's you know, a server, he's a seeker. Um, and thank you for being here. Super grateful that you're here. Thank you. Thanks for having me yeah. on. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Um, as always, though, we start the show with gratitude. Gratitude can change the world. So, uh, what are you happy for? Gratitude for? Grateful for? <laughs> I'm all that. What are you I, gratitude for? <laughs> Goodness I, gracious. I, I guess I would say my three F's, which are faith, family, and friends. Yeah. I, 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 I'm sure probably everybody says that, but really, you know, in my situation with cancer and that, mm -hmm. I would not be able to yeah. get to this point mm -hmm. without that. Yeah. Well, and you know, what's what I find important about that too is the order that you put it in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's yeah. uh it's 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 so important faith has to come first. Um, it, it really does. Mm -hmm. And I you know, there were so many times during my cancer journey that I didn't think I was going to be here. And that wasn't mm -hmm. for anything that any doctor or even my family did. That was something something much bigger than yeah. me did. Yeah. And so I, I'm very, very grateful for that. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to, to jump into to your story. Um, what am I grateful for today? I'm grateful for 18 years with my husband. 18 years. It's crazy. I don't even feel 18 years old and I'm 18, <laughs> 18 years with, with my sweet Lowry. Yeah. We, uh, it's, it's amazing. And we were even married kind of late, late-ish. I was 33 when we got married. And it's it's just been this whole whirlwind of beauty and crazy, right? <laughs> I guess that's what, that's what marriage is. But it's, uh, it's, it's been really wonderful. And I'm so excited to get to the mountains and go play and just hang out with him and, and the dogs and just have a really nice, relaxing, easy mountain weekend. So... Uh, yeah, super grateful for that. Well, my wife and I got married at 33, you and did. on Monday it will be 30 years. <gasps> Amazing! So you are October the 22nd, you're the 23rd. Yes. Yay! Yes. Oh, I love that. October is a beautiful month. It is. It's a really beautiful month to, to, well, to do anything, because I mean, right now the leaves. Oh, it's beautiful here. Man, yeah. So in Colorado, and Boise, I love going to Boise, because they have the beautiful, anyway, it's so Time of year is beautiful. I'm a summer girl. I love warm weather, but sure. the fall is just beautiful. Absolutely. So, anyway, let's jump in. Um, I want to. Did I start getting started? See, it's, it's constant. Always. You're dumb. You're always. Dumb. Anyway, I want to uh, dive into you. You know, you have a really interesting story. I love the fact that you were a uh, a, uh, a negotiator. What, what kind SWAT of team SWAT team? Yes. <laughs> That's just, I mean, holy smokes, I can imagine the stories that you have. But I want to, I want to talk about what brought you where you are today. You know, you have this amazing book that you wrote. You have this amazing attitude. You're a giver, um, you're a server, and I love the fact that you're a seeker and you talk about that. And I, I want to surround myself with seekers. I'm a seeker. And so I just want, I want you just to, to tell your story. Sure. So yeah. I'm born and raised on the south side of Chicago. I am the oldest of three boys. You can't tell this from my voice from looking at me, but I'm six foot eight inches tall. And I actually went to college at the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina mm -hmm. on a basketball scholarship. Mm -hmm. 
when I graduated from college, I, I moved home. I'm, I'm really going to date myself now, but this is <laughs> long before the internet was available yep. to help people find employment. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, I found that first job in the corporate headquarters of Wendy's International, the hamburger chain, mm -hmm. in their marketing department. Yep. Unfortunately, I lived with my parents for the next three and a half years as I helped my mother care for my father and my grandmother, who were both dying of different forms of cancer. Professionally, you know, as I said, started out at Wendy's, then switched to hospital administration, and then I made that major pivot in my life and became a police officer, and part of what I did was mm -hmm. become a hostage negotiator, started a school security consulting business after my law enforcement career, coached girls high school basketball when we lived in Texas, but for the last 11 and a half years now I've been battling a rare form of cancer, a rare form of melanoma, and then finally, as I said, my wife and I have been married for 30 years. We have one child, a daughter, mm -hmm. who's a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy, nice. and is an officer in the new branch of the military, the Space Force. Here? So uh, I have a friend who's in the Space Force in, in that. She in was, sir. She was okay. out at Buckley. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's yeah. in Florida now. Okay, okay, that, nice. So, yeah, very That's proud. so exciting. It is. Wow, so cool. Well, very good. Well, thank you again for being here. Um, I want to talk about, well, I, don't, I have so many things I want to talk about, but <laughs> I think you, your main focus is really, I mean, to me, I, because this, this word is sort of everywhere in your stuff, and it's, it's really about excellence, right? right? And what does that mean? And one of the things that I loved is, um, it, it, I'm trying to see what, what I wrote in my notes here, but it was excellence is in the eye of the beholder. Right, which I find so interesting because I think one of the things that we do, I have, I do and have done, is we compare ourselves. Right. Right. And so let's talk about that a little bit and what that means. Yeah, people always ask me, I, I write this book called Sustainable Excellence. Yeah. Like, well, what does excellence mean? Mm -hmm. and, and my response is, I don't know. Like, what do you mean? How, what, you don't know. How, you wrote the book. Yeah. And I'm like, well, like beauty, I think excellence is in the eye of the whole. You and I may look at a at a movie, at a sports team, at a doctor and say, oh, that person, that, that entity is excellent. I may say, yeah, they're good, but I don't think they're excellent. That's why I think we have to define excellence for ourselves. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so, yeah, but you're right. People are always comparing themselves yes. to other human beings. Which it's, is a problem. It, it's a yeah. huge problem. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think what people don't understand is your life is your life. My life is not your life, and your life is not my life. And so, you know, if I try to be, oh, well, Nikki has this, or Nikki makes this much money, and I don't, now that creates jealousy. And, yeah. and it's like, why can't I just be happy that you mm -hmm. are successful mm -hmm. and say, okay, I'm going to live my life based on what my purpose, my mission, my why yes. is in that life. Yeah. And I think that's where we get off the rails. Mm -hmm. We want to live other people's lives mm -hmm. instead of living the life that we're supposed to live. Yeah. Well, we've been given our own gifts, right? right? And we, and you know, and I always have to go back to God's a pretty smart dude. Last <laughs> time I checked, yes, yep, absolutely. Yep. I think he knows what he's doing. And so if I'm questioning myself, I'm questioning what the gifts that I've been given, then what am I doing? I'm questioning him, right? right? And so if we take a step back, and it's not always easy, right? We always see other people. I mean, I, I, I struggle with this too because I have my own goals and sometimes I'm like why am I not there yet and why are all these other people there and I'm not you know kind of thing and so I have to I have to really focus myself and you know and it comes in that you know that quiet time that I, I that I missed this morning um, <laughs> but um, comes in that time where you you focus on what you've been given and what your goals are and where you're going and know that when you're struggling 
because I think you talk about this some too. But when you're struggling, there's a there's a reason for it. There's there you're 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 being molded, right. um, and and I I love to think about it that way too. I love to think that okay, this might be hard right now, but I'm being molded into into the better me. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we don't. You don't grow when things are comfortable. Yeah. You grow. You grow in adversity. Yeah. And and but we don't like that. Our brains are hardwired to avoid mm-hmm. that pain and discomfort. Yeah. And to seek pleasure. So. Yeah. The, the way things are right now, the status quo. Hey, it's comfortable and familiar. And just leave it alone. Mm-hmm. But like you say, we don't grow unless we step outside our comfort zones. Yeah. And I think another thing is that so many people are are glued to what is said on this device, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's, there was a, a great book I read called uh, Do Hard Things by Steve Magnus, and Magnus yeah. used to be the track and field coach for the University of Minnesota, mm-hmm. and he, my husband has that book. Oh, it's a great so, book, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he taught, there's a, there's a story that he talks about in there where, I don't remember if it was a professor or researcher who it was, but he took mostly young people, put them in a room, nothing in the room but a table and a chair. They were not allowed to have any devices, mm-hmm. their phones, earpods, anything. The only other thing in that room was a buzzer. And if you press the buzzer, you got an electric shock. <laughs> 68% of the men, 25% of the women shocked themselves, including one guy who shocked himself every five seconds during a 15 to 20 minute time in that room. I mean, it wasn't like they were in there for days. It was just a short period of time. And, and the conclusion of that research was, we're not comfortable with ourselves. We're not comfortable being alone with ourselves. And as you mentioned, your quiet time mm-hmm. in the morning. Mm-hmm. That's where you look. So I spend at least 10 minutes every day, not praying, not in meditation, not in, just, I'm, I'm just with, I put the devices away, yeah. I just sit there, yeah. and wherever my mind goes, uh-huh. my mind goes. Yeah. And that's, that's being comfortable with mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's incredibly important. And so many people, especially younger people, yeah. not that you're old, Especially younger people don't feel that way. Their whole identity is tied to that device that they have in their hands. It's so interesting. I have uh, a nephew who was staying with us for a while, and he was always like this, and the head down, and Mm -hmm. you could see, and he would complain about having headaches. And I'm like, forget off your phone, or at least you do something different, because you are, I mean, I think we're creating such a problem, that's totally off topic, but it's creating such a physical problem. But yes, the mental, the emotional stuff that comes with constantly being on the device, um, and and then the comparing, and and I I always just see, especially with women who always are comparing themselves physically to other women and these things, and changing the way that they look on their devices, right, with the, all the things that right. they, do you know what I'm talking yes. about? I don't, I don't even know what they are because I don't do it because I don't get it. <laughs> like, right, right. But anyway, it. Um, I love that you. I love that you you do that. You just sort of sit because I love that too. Um, and what I love to do, and I talk about this all the time, but especially in the summer and you know this time of year when mm-hmm. the weather's so nice, is just going outside and sitting. Yes. You know, just sit outside in the sun, whether it's meditating or sitting or whatever, but putting everything away and just. I mean, to me, this is the way I feel. To me, it's like God's hugs. It's like that yeah. sun on my skin. Like, oh, it's the best thing you in the world. You feed your soul. Yeah. Exactly. It's so good. Exactly. <laughs> it's so good. So um, the book that you wrote, I have a question about that because I, I, I told you you know, before we came in the studio that I wasn't able to read the whole thing, but I got some of it. You had talked about someone who had reached out to you via LinkedIn um, who was asking what he could do to be the most successful or excellent, right? Isn't that what it was? Mm-hmm. 
my, I'm curious, and I might have missed this, is that where your principles, these 10 principles came from, is the response to him? Yes. Okay. So, so it really, the book was really born out of two conversations. Mm -hmm. One was with a former player that I had coached in high school okay. who had moved to Colorado with her fiance. My wife and I had dinner with them one night. And I remember saying to her after dinner that I was excited that she was living close and I could watch her find and live her purpose. Mm -hmm. She got real quiet for a while. And she looked at me and she said, well, coach, what do you think my purpose is? I said, I have absolutely no idea what your purpose is, yeah. but that's what your life should be about. Mm -hmm. Finding the reason you're mm -hmm. put on the face of this earth, mm -hmm. using your unique gifts and talents, and living that reason. Yeah. So that was one conversation. And then, as you mentioned, I had a young man in college reach out mm -hmm. to me on social media mm -hmm. and said, what do you think are the most important things that I should learn? Not to just be successful in my job or in business, but to be successful in life. Mm -hmm. And Nikki, I didn't want to give him that, you know, get up yeah. early, work hard, help out. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want yeah, to yeah. give him those, the cliche things that we yeah. already know. And so I spent some time, and I was taking notes and sort of had these, these 10 ideas, these 10 thoughts, these 10 principles, mm -hmm. and so I sent them to him. Mm -hmm. And then I stepped back, and I was like, well, I've got a life story that fits underneath yeah. that principle, or I know somebody whose life mm -hmm. emulates this principle. So literally, during the three to four month period after I had my leg amputated, I sat down at the computer every day, and I built stories, and they're real stories about real people underneath the principles, and that's how the book came to be. I love that, I love that, it's so good. And I was, it was funny too because I was, I was looking at all the di different principles, which essentially are chapters, right? Each principle yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and they're not in any particular order. Number one isn't necessarily more yeah. important than number seven or anything like that. So, yeah. I was writing down the ones that were, um, that were speaking to me. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, I might as well just write them all down because they were all <laughs> 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 because they were all so good. But if it's okay, I kind of want to hit a little bit on all of them because. I think they're all so important. And I know also that there are, um, you know, I want to make sure that we talk about some of the, you know, these things that you want to talk about as well. But I assume it sort of all goes together. So I have a little bit of everything sure. here. And so the first principle is enjoy your life. I mean, <laughs> it's like, whoa, wow. <laughs> it sounds so simple, but. It is. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I think we make life complicated mm -hmm. By, by the thing, life isn't really that complicated. I mean, wh what are you supposed to do with your life? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> what are your unique gifts and talents? Then go do that. Yeah. And, and I think you do. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons we are so afraid to talk about death in, this un in the United States, because people don't live. They don't live, so yeah. death is scary. And when it comes, especially when it comes when you're not expecting yeah. it, you know, you're not yeah. 80 years old, mm -hmm. it's like, oh my gosh, I haven't lived my life. Yeah. Well, whose fault is that? Mm -hmm. That that is your fault. Mm -hmm. So yeah, enjoy mm -hmm. your life. Get out there. Yeah. Find the things that you know that you like. You say you're going to the mountains with your husband mm -hmm. and the dogs. You enjoy mm -hmm. that. That that recharges your batteries. Yeah. Find what those things are. Get out there and do that. And just simply enjoy the time yeah. you have on this earth. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. You know, I think that um, we don't. It, it's. I talk a lot about taking accountability. Right, taking accountability for, and for me, it's you know what you're putting in your body, what you're right. putting on your body, what you're putting in your environment, but also it is taking the accountability to, to, not hold back. And I think I have you know have done that, but there you know I I have found my you know that I have this big mission, and it was like I want to get there now right. instead of enjoying the now. It's like I want to get there now, and you 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 know work and work and work, and I. I you know, I, I do that way more than I should, but taking accountability for that. And it's my responsibility for for 
stopping and resting and, you know, as well as getting out and living life and not feeling like I have to work all the time, even though like, like so many of us do. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and I, again, I'm going to date myself now, but uh, most of us know about Mr. Rogers, you know, yes. Fred Rogers, yeah, yeah. Uh, who educated so many people on his mm-hmm. weekly television show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Well, there's a story that when Mr. Rogers died in 2003, his family was going through his effects. And in, that, in those effects, they found his wallet. And inside his wallet was a scrap piece of paper on which Mr. Rogers had written four simple words. Life is for service. Mm-hmm. And I think if we yeah. keep that in mind, mm-hmm. I, Nikki, I see so many people that sort of feel like, okay, I'm born empty. And when I start to get into life, I get out of high school, I get out of college, whatever you're doing, and you sort of get into life, that your job is to now fill yourself up. You know, I've got to have a great education, I've got to have a good job, make a lot of money, have a great spouse, have great kids, you know, all that stuff. Drive the latest car, live in the nicest house. And there's always one more thing that supposedly will make you Mm -hmm. feel fulfilled or happy. And what I found is, it's just the opposite. Mm -hmm. We're not born empty. We're born full. We're born with everything we need to be Mm -hmm. successful inside of us. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of pulling that out and using it to our benefit. So it shouldn't be, what can I get? It should be, what can I give by emptying myself Mm -hmm. out for the betterment, certainly of yourself, but of your family, Mm -hmm. of your friends, of your community, et cetera. I love that. I love that. Cool. All right. Principle number two. I love this and I really want to talk about this. Most people think with their fears instead of using their minds. You know, it's funny. Of all the ten, that's the one that resonates with me as Mm -hmm. well. Because I think, Mm -hmm. and I'm not proud to say this, I've done this. I've done that in my life where I want to start a business. I want to go to school. I want to, oh, wait a minute. Maybe I don't have enough information Mm -hmm. or maybe I'm not smart Mm -hmm. enough Mm -hmm. or what will people say about me if I fail. Mm -hmm. That's thinking with our fears Mm -hmm. and our insecurities. That's not thinking with our minds. And whenever I speak to groups, especially younger people, I always tell them, if there's something in your heart, something in your soul that you believe you're supposed to do, Mm -hmm. but it scares you, Mm -hmm. go ahead and do it. it. Because at the end of your life, the things you're going to regret Mm -hmm. are not going to be those things you did. They're going to be those things you didn't Mm do, but then it's going to be too late to go back and do them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so good. Um, I'm curious. So when you were diagnosed, did that... Did, did that sort of propel you forward, diagnosed with cancer, obviously? Mm-hmm. Did that, did, how did that change, you know, what, what you're doing now? I'm assuming there are changes, your, your, your attitude, your view on life, all of these things. Yeah, I, so let me sort of back up a minute yeah. to, to answer that question. When I graduated from college, my father and my grandmother were both dying of cancer. Mm-hmm. And so that was really the first major decision in my life. My dad did not want me to be in law enforcement. so I respect for you. I'll do what you want me to do. Mm-hmm. And w- my dad had end-stage breast cancer back in the 1980s. They had no idea how to treat a man with breast wow. cancer back then. Yeah. And so they basically told him to go home and die. And he lived another three and a half years, and I believe he did because he had a purpose. Mm-hmm. He was in real estate. He mm-hmm. worked up till two weeks before he died. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of tucked that in the back of my mind mm-hmm. and said, well, when it's my turn in the barrel, I need to have a purpose. I, I mean, I, I guess I don't need to. I could always lay in bed and say, gee, woe is me and how yeah, terrible is yeah. this? Or I could take this ugliness, I could take these demons, and I could flip it. You know, when I was diagnosed, they said, you'll live two years. So I was given a death sentence, and I thought, 
well, maybe I could turn that into a life sentence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what I've done. So I've tried to find my purpose now. And let me say one thing about purpose. Mm -hmm. We tend to look at purpose as a singular thing or a singular event. And at least in my life, I've found that it's not purpose, it's purpose is. Mm -hmm. So when I was young, I was, and I was an athlete, I was playing basketball. Then I got into law enforcement, so my, my purpose switched there. And now, in all honesty, as I'm probably coming to the end of my life, I think my purpose has changed again to, you know, finding, uh, putting as much goodness, positivity, motivation, love back into the world yep. as I can. And it would be great if our purpose aligned with our occupation or mm -hmm. our profession, but it doesn't have to. Mm -hmm. You know, your job could be something over here you do to pay the bills, but your purpose is over here to, to paint or to be a podcast yep. host or mm -hmm. to do whatever it ends up being that you feel in your heart. So don't get all excited if like, oh, you know, what I'm doing for a living isn't my purpose. That's okay still follow your heart to find that yeah, purpose. Yeah, yeah. So they told you, and I'm going to ask this question because it's a little, it's, it's kind of personal to me and it's, it's, it's a frustrating point for me, but you were told that you have two years, um, and it's been 11, yes? 11 and a half, yeah. 11 and a half, amazing. Um, I get really frustrated with uh, those in the medical community that tell you how long you have. Yeah, I, I mean, they are, they are like Vegas. They're, they're, they're giving you the odds mm -hmm. uh, and uh, based mm -hmm. on the totality of all yeah. the people they deal with. What they don't know is they don't know your heart. Right. They don't know mm -hmm. your mind. They don't know your soul. They don't know that next summer your kids graduate from college mm -hmm. and by God you're going to be there. Yeah. Or you know next spring your daughters get married and so help me you're going to mm -hmm. walk them down the aisle. Yeah. That's what they don't know. And, mm -hmm. and I, I always, you know, I, I struggle with this too because people ask, mm -hmm. oh, they, they told me this. And I'm like, okay. But they don't know you. Yes. They don't know the real you. Yes. They know the disease, mm -hmm. but they don't know how that disease is mm -hmm. impacting you. So how are you going to attack that disease? Mm -hmm. Are you going to lay in bed and say, woe is me? Yeah, you'll probably be dead in yeah. two years. Yeah. Or are you going to say, I'm going to take this and use it for mm -hmm. something positive in my life? I, I, it, it's funny because, and this is a true story, but I'm sort of going to embellish it a little bit. I was initially treated at MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, probably one of the best cancer mm -hmm. hospitals in the world. And every April, which is when I first started with them back in 2012, I get a letter from their tumor board that says, circle one of these. I'm alive with cancer, I'm alive without cancer, or I'm dead. It doesn't really say that, but, <laughs> it's a, but, I, but, I, but I keep sticking around because I don't know how to circle number three because yeah. I'm too busy living yeah. my life yeah. to mm -hmm. worry about dying. When mm -hmm. I die, where I die, how I die, way above my pay grade, don't spend a lot of time worrying yeah. about it. Yeah, no, yeah. And, and I love that and that's great. It frustrates me because some some people can take that and really take it to heart, and they do, and, and, yeah. and, they, do, yeah. and they may they they don't they don't do life like you do right. because they they take what the doctors say and they're like, okay, this is what I have, and that's that's it, and it just makes me angry that 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 they will tell people, and I know some people want to know, and that's fine. I just think that so many things can sit in your brain and sit in your psyche, and then. You, you follow what the doctors say, essentially. Um, I think that's what happened, you know, in part, it's what happened with my mom. Uh, so it just, it frustrates the heck out of me that, that they will tell you that. And like, do not ever tell people how long they have. Great, because you don't know. Knows. You, you, I mean, yeah. and I'm living proof of that. Yeah. Like 11 and a half years later, mm -hmm. I'm still sitting here and yeah. not dead. And, and my wife will tell you the story that they pulled her out of the room initially and said, look, he's probably not gonna live two years. Is mm -hmm. he gonna be okay with that? 
And she kind of laughed at him and said, you go ahead and tell him that and see what happens. You know? oh, <laughs> that's amazing. You know? I love that. So, yeah, I mean, uh -huh. she, she, she knows me. You yeah. know, it's just like, I'm not just going to roll over yeah. and say I'm, I'm going to die. I yeah. am going to die, and mm -hmm. that's okay. We all are. But mm -hmm. I would rather spend more time. I, I heard a, a Native American Blackfoot proverb years ago that goes like this. When you were born, you cried, and the world rejoiced. Live your life in such a way so that when you die, the world cries and you rejoice. That's what I want. That's, That's what I'm trying to do. I love that. I love that. All right. Principle number three. You were born to live an uncommon and extraordinary life. Yeah. I, I think people settle. Yeah. I, I, especially as they get older and they get mm -hmm. down the path. They're, they're sort of this imaginary, uh, I don't know, demarc demarcation that says, okay, I'm, I'm 33 years old, I've never been married, I, I don't have any kids, I don't, I'm not where I'm supposed to be financially mm -hmm. or in my job, so, okay, I'll just settle for it. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's one of the worst things you can do. And, and I don't mean to sound conceited, but I think one of the things that I am most proud about in my life is the fact that I never let my, my purpose, my dream of being in law enforcement die. Mm -hmm. I was a 37-year-old rookie police officer, which by most accounts is pretty old mm -hmm. to be getting into that line of work, yeah. but I, I always knew that was my mission, that was my mm -hmm. purpose, that was my why. And despite all the jobs, despite my dad dying and all that, I, I, I never lost it. I never mm -hmm. said, oh, you know, I'm comfortable here, so I'm good. I don't like being, I mean, I do like being comfortable, don't get sure. me wrong. Yeah. We all do. <laughs> but, but comfort doesn't make you grow, doesn't yeah. allow you to grow. Right. And so I, I really felt, you know, it was like, okay, I'm going to hang on to this dream. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to let mm -hmm. it go. And eventually I got to the, I yeah. got to that dream a little bit late in life, but I still was able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. As long as you get there, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah there's no time mm -hmm. limit. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things is the, you know, I, I do my best to live today for today. You know, I plan for the future, but the looking back, as long as, as we're not, you know, looking back in, 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 where are my words? My words are not working today. I'm already on the weekend, I think. Not it's a been all day long that <laughs> I, my words are not working for me. I, what I want to say is my, one of my favorite things is looking, is, is seeing the path that I've been down, all the good, all the bad, and what it has done for me today, right? And so looking at the hard stuff and knowing that that is, that is what's brought me here. And then, you know, and like you said, you, you want to be comfortable. So I'm not looking forward to more hard stuff, but I am looking forward to, to knowing what it's going to teach me. To more growth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Abso mm -hmm. absolutely. I, I, there's a quote by Nelson Mandela, the former president of South Africa, mm -hmm. who said, I never lose. I either learn or I win. Mm -hmm. And if you do yeah. exactly yeah. what you said, yeah. I, I can look back on my life and say, what did I learn from yeah. those negative events mm -hmm. and those positive events? And how can I use that today yeah. and to propel me into the future for a better life? Yeah, yeah, so good, so good. All right, uh, principle number four, always remain curious and ask questions. I say this all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that just, that to me is, we should all be lifelong learners. Mm -hmm. We should die learning. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so many people don't. They sort of feel like you, know, you get to a point in your life where, okay, I have all the knowledge that I need, and I'm good with that. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, when you get into difficult situations, you know, your brain is, and again, I'm going to date myself, it's kind of like an old Rolodex. You know, yeah. it kind of goes through, and it's like, okay, what do I have here that yeah. I can apply to this mm -hmm. event that I've never experienced before? 
And if you don't have anything, it'll pull something. Eh, maybe it's close, but I'm not so sure. So yeah, always be, be curious. That was one of the things when I was a negotiator, they told us to always use your curious voice. Mm. Oh, Nikki, I hear you say, what do you mean by that? I mean, mm. you're, you're, you're asking, what does that mean? How does that apply? How does that, yeah. always be curious. Mm -hmm. and, and I do, my wife will tell you, I will, <laughs> I've never met a stranger, and I always, tell me about yourself. Yeah. Tell me about your life. How did you get here? What is it? And, and we used to go to parties, and it used to drive my wife crazy. We would go to parties, and I would say, okay, I'm gonna go into this party, and I'm gonna find five of your colleagues, and I'm gonna ask them all about themselves. And I said, I'm gonna come out of the party, and I'm gonna tell you all about these people. And I said, then in Monday, on Monday morning, when you go to the office, they're gonna tell you what a great guy I was, but they're not gonna tell you a thing about me, because uh -huh. we're narcissistic. Yeah. We love to talk about ourselves. Yeah. So I would just go in, where'd you go to school? How'd you meet your wife? Tell me about your kids. And I'd go through this whole thing with five <laughs> different people, and then I'd come out to the car when we drive home. It's like, okay, here's what's going on with Bob. Here's what's going on with Mary. And so, like, and then literally they would come, oh, your husband is such a great guy. It was so great to talk to him. And, and she would have said, and what do you know about him? Because you never yeah. reciprocated yeah. with those questions. Yeah. I always tell our daughter, if you want to be a great friend or a great conversationalist, mm -hmm. just ask people about themselves. Mm -hmm. and, and they'll think you're the greatest conversationalist yeah. in the world. <laughs> so true. <laughs> well, and I love this too, um, because it relates a lot to, to, to my work, where you know, so often, um, and recently I've had more people who are so sick you know, who have gone through the medical system and are just, you know, sort of run through the ringer. You know, they're given drugs, they're given all of these things, but they're, it, they're not being helped. And it's, it's just this recently, it's just you know, really, really chronically sick people. Anyway, my, what I always do for myself and do for my clients, but then also try to teach my clients and anybody else who's listening is to dig, when I say that, it's always asking questions. It's not being satisfied, well, here is your, your diagnosis. It's, it's asking why. What is going on? Why are you in pain? Why do you have brain fog? Why do you have anxiety? Why is this going on? And it's not because you're missing certain drugs. It's not because of, you know, whatever. There's some deficiency, some inflammatory response, there's something going on. Keep digging and keep asking the questions why. Be a seeker, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. that's that's. I want people to do that for themselves. I want people to do that for you know you know their families. I want to do it for myself right. always in, in in many capacities. But um, it is really learning to to dig to learn to understand and not settling whatever whatever it is. It, it is, and and I I think you like me are probably a person that wants your life shaped by the decisions that you make. Yes not by the ones somebody else made yes. or the ones you didn't make. Absolutely. And I am absolutely, I, I, I have, uh, I'm treated at the University of Colorado hospitals every three weeks. And so I have access to, you know, an oncology pharmacist and things like that. And, I, and I'll give you an example. I was reading an article that said uh, DHA, the, the fatty fish uh, oh, uh -huh. uh, oil, mm -hmm. was there were uh, doctors over in Portugal that realized that it acted like a Trojan horse in cancer cells, that they picked it up and it killed them. And so I, I immediately called my pharmacist and I said, Christina, I, I, wanna, I wanna do DHA, what, what do you think? And she said, well, let me research for you. I'm like, okay, great. And, and I, I'm lucky because I have access to yeah, that. Yeah. And she came back and she said, Terry, we don't want you to take it and here's why. 
you had a blood clot in your lung, you are on a, a blood thinner, mm -hmm. DHA tends to thin your blood even more, you'd be more susceptible to bleeding. I'm like, okay, I won't mm -hmm. take it. I understand that, mm -hmm. that makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. Give me a valid reason why I can't. Mm -hmm. Don't just say, no, I don't want you to do that. Right. You know, yeah. I, and, and I do that. I ask my question, mm -hmm. all kinds of questions of my oncologist. Yeah. I'm sure he's ready to hit me over the head with a two by four. It's like, <laughs> why are you asking me this? I have the initials after my name. I, that's exactly why. Yeah. Because I want you to be able to explain what yes. you want to do yeah. in terms that I, mm -hmm. as a non-physician, mm -hmm. can understand. And if yeah. you can do that, we're probably going to go yeah. with that. But if you can, mm -hmm. I'm going to have a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. Very, very good. All right. Let's see. Number five, principle five, you are the person you are looking to become. I love that, too. Yeah, I, I, and I think that just goes back to what I was saying before. I, I wanted to be in, in law enforcement. I wanted to be a police mm -hmm. officer but I was a marketer or I was a hospital administrator. But yet, I was still that person. Mm -hmm. I was still, I, I just, mm -hmm. I hadn't gotten down the road mm -hmm. to it yet. But you still are yeah. that person. I mean, yeah. the, the movies I watched, the books that I read, the, the things that I found interesting online were around law enforcement and crime and law and mm -hmm. things like that. I went to law school for two and a half years and it was just because that's what interested me. Mm -hmm. That We used to always tell our daughter, play your strengths, play the yeah. things that you are good at. So, if, you know, if you told me to go be an accountant, I'd be horrible because that's not my strength. Yeah. But doing something that I felt was in my heart, was in my soul, that that was exactly what I was supposed to do and, and, and eventually got there. So mm -hmm. I was that person even 10 years before mm -hmm. I started it. It just took me a while to get there. Yeah. I think that's something that I had to learn too, and that's something that you know, in in, in my coaching, and it, it is always, it's not that you're going to be different. You are that person. You're where yeah. you want to be. You just you're just moving. Closer, just moving closer. towards it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's really, yeah, I love that. And I think it's important for people to, to keep that in mind. You know, in those times of frustration, they're like, I'm not doing all the things that I want to do. Um, yeah, so yeah. good. Stay down the right yep. path. You'll yep. get there. Yep. This is great. So good. They're all so good. Um, I, I'm going to say this five more times. <laughs> um, so principle six, put your God and your family above everything else. I, I, I I think, mean. Yeah, I think that goes without saying. Mm -hmm. I, it's, what am I grateful for? You know, yeah. my family, my yeah. friends, my, my faith. Those are incredibly yeah. important things. I would not be the person I am. I would not be where I am mm -hmm. without those things. I, I, I mean, we are... One of the things I learned in, a, in, in playing team sports, and, and I started playing basketball when I was nine years old, played all the way up until I graduated from college at 21. And, and for me, it was team sports. I think it'd be whatever team you're on, mm -hmm. is the importance of being part of something that's bigger yeah. than yourself. Yeah. And, and if you realize that in life, that it's, it's not all about you. Mm -hmm. Nobody really cares about you. And there's a, oh, somebody's looking at me. Yeah, they're probably not. Yeah. You know, somebody yeah. cares about what I'm doing. No, they probably don't. Yeah. You know, we think they are, and that causes anxiety and fear mm -hmm. and things like that. But no, I mean, be the person that you're supposed to be. And I just, I, I, God, faith, family, just, it, yeah. it works for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good stuff. Um. Well, and number seven, just what you just said, be a part of something bigger than yourself. Oh, sorry, I didn't yeah, get ahead. I no, got ahead of you. Yeah, no, it's good. Right. It's good. Um, but I think that, you know, we're all, we all have a role to play um, in, 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 you know, wherever we are. And, and taking that, and that's, it goes back to, I don't need to be somebody else. I don't need to compare myself to anybody else. I have a role to play. God put me here for a reason. What is that? And go do it. What, what, and what are those things? You know, it's not just one thing sometimes, but it's what are the things and just go do them. Even if it's just being a good friend, 
right? Exactly. Um, you know, whatever it is. But um, I have an important place, no matter what, you have an important place, and we all have our places to be. And, and God's not going to judge me on what you did right. or you exactly. on what I did. Mm -hmm. So understand that, and why are you comparing yourself? Why are you, you know, trying to live somebody else's life? Yeah. Just be happy that Nikki does what Nikki does and Nikki's as successful as she is. Be happy for your friends yeah. and your family. Yeah. And that. Don't try to compare yourself because, mm -hmm. it'll one, it'll drive you crazy, and mm -hmm. two, it's just it's not something we're supposed to do. Yeah, agreed. All right, uh, principle eight, fail often, especially when you're young. Yeah, I, I get a lot of brushback from that one. It's like, what do you mean fail? And, and, and I think especially younger people today somehow think that some successful whatever, performer, athlete, doctor, lawyer, school teacher, garbage man, never failed in their life. Right. That failure, failure is absolutely a part of success. Yeah. If you are successful in life, you have failed many times. Mm -hmm. and, and I always say the road to success is paved with failure. If you can't fail, you, you're not learning. Right. You're not stepping outside yeah. your comfort zone. Yeah. Things are too easy mm -hmm. for you. You do that, and then when you, it, it's kind of like what you were talking about before. It's really not the, the end game. It's not the success that we make. It's the journey along mm -hmm. the way that makes us a better person, mm -hmm. that makes us a more well-rounded, more developed yeah. person. It's the journey. It's not the, it's not the success. And how do you get to that journey? Mm -hmm. It's all the failures along yeah. the way. That makes you a better human mm -hmm. being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so hard and so simple. <laughs> it is. I mean, we make it so difficult. Like, okay. It's not always fun, but it is. It's fun when you come through. You're like, okay, I got it. Now let's go. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, but but that's it. You know, when we we butt up against an impediment, something gets in our yeah. way. It, it's funny because people people won't take responsibility. They gotta blame. It's like, okay, I failed, so it's like it's not my fault. I've got to blame my parents or my boss or my station in life. Very few people take personal responsibility yeah. for their own success mm -hmm. and happiness. And again, going back to what we were talking about, I want my life mm -hmm. based on the decisions I made, not yeah. on what other people made for me. So, yeah, yeah I, I think that's that's very important point. Yeah. Well, and taking responsibility is you know is a, a good leader too. Yes. Right. I mean, in order to lead, it has it's it's up to you. It's up to me. You it know, it to is be, to be a leader. So it is. Yeah. All right. Um, Listen more than you talk. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, this was a. This really comes from my my SWAT days mm -hmm. and, and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, you know, we're we talked about listening to respond versus listening to understand. So it's you're talking and I'm like, all right, Nikki, hurry up and say what you're yeah. gonna say because I want to get my two cents yeah, in. Yeah. That's listening to mm -hmm. respond mm -hmm. versus, okay, Nikki, I hear what you're saying. I may agree with you. I may not agree with you. But help me to understand where you're coming from. Yeah. And that's really what negotiations were all about. Mm -hmm. Help me to understand why you're in this situation and things like that and figure that out. And I, I'll, I'll never forget when I first started as a negotiator, they gave us a formula. I'm going to try to remember that. It was 73855. And it had to do with how we communicate with each other. And think about this how, how much time do you spend worrying about what you say, the words you say? 7% are just are the words you use. 38% mm -hmm. are the tone of voice that you use with those words. And then 55% of how we communicate is our body language and our facial mm -hmm. expressions. So as negotiators, mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't in the room with the guy with the gun and things like that. So yeah. I could be blocks away and I didn't have the benefit of seeing when I said something like him going, oh, what an idiot. I can't believe he said that. You yeah. know, I didn't yeah. have that benefit. Yeah. So we had to figure things out mm -hmm. based on what people were saying, what they weren't saying, and how they were saying it. 
any good stories that you want to share about negotiations? So, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you two kind of quick stories. Yeah. One's funny and totally atypical, and one's kind of the way it usually was. So, um, I, I was working that night. I was in a, I was in uniform and in a marked car, so I was able to get to the scene early. And I, I pull up and I'm talking to the district guys, and I'm like, "What's the deal?" It's like he's drunk, he's got a gun, he's barricaded himself with his wife in mm -hmm. in the house. So, okay, do you have him on the phone? Yes, let me talk to him. So I'm talking to him. Part of negotiating is developing trust with a human being that you've never met mm -hmm. before in your mm -hmm. life. And there were many times we'd be over here talking for hours about something when the real problem was over here, but they didn't trust us enough to talk about that. So, um, so I, I'm talking to him for about 10 minutes, and I just had a feeling, because we never talked about coming out, usually until hours down the road. Mm -hmm. And I, I said to him, what would it take for you to come out? And there was a dead silence. And then he says to me, give me a beer. I said, if I gave you a beer, do I have your word you would let your wife go and you would come out? He said, do I have your word I could drink it? I said, you absolutely have my word you could drink it. He said, all right, then I'll let her go. And so I gave $5 to one of the uniform officers. I said, go down to the store, buy a beer. The tactical team put it on the front porch. I called them back and I said, your beer's on the front porch, but you don't get it until you let your wife go and you come out with your hands up. He said, do I still have your word that I can drink the beer? I said, you absolutely do. All of a sudden, the front door flies open. Here comes his wife. Here he comes with his hands up. We handcuff him, let him drink his beer, and off to jail he went. Oh my so God. that was an, all things. Uh, exactly. That was an atypical <laughs> one. This one is more what they were like, and a little bit tragic, but had had a good ending. Um, individual wanted to commit suicide, mm. and so it's, this started probably eight o'clock in the eight o'clock at night. He slit his wrist. Oh. That didn't work. And then for some reason he thought turning the gas on his oven and sticking his head in the oven would somehow kill it. Well, that didn't work either. And then he calls a family member, and, and he's, he's despondent, and the family member had the good sense to call the police. We get there, and I've got him on the phone. It's probably 3 o'clock in the morning now, mm -hmm. and he's got a gun. And so we're like, you know, he, I think I, he was just exhausted. He was just worn down. He's like, I'd really like to come out. I said, great. I said, come on out. I said, I'll come down to the scene. We'll talk face-to-face. -face. He's like, I'd really like that. I said, but don't hang up the phone. We'll put the gun down, take the phone with you. And then when you get outside, do what the officers outside tell you to do. It's like, no problem. All of a sudden, the phone disconnects, which is, is not uncommon because mm -hmm. we're, we're conditioned that when a conversation is over, we hang up right. the phone in some right, way. Right. So that, that happened a lot. But all of a sudden, one of the tactical officers comes on the radio and says, we heard a gunshot. I thought, you didn't. You didn't shoot yourself. He did. Shot himself in the head, but he shot himself in the temple at an angle such that the bullet went in right under his skin, went around his scalp, and came out the other side. Never penetrated his scalp, never got to his brain. So here's a guy who tried three times that night to kill himself, and I think that was God saying, mm -mm, not, your, not time. your time, not your time, yeah. you're not coming up here. I mean, it was real bloody because head wounds bleed sure, more so yeah, than anything, yeah, yeah. but in terms of seriousness, it really wasn't very serious, and he got the help that he needed, and fortunately, he didn't die. So I'm so <laughs> curious what he's doing today. Yeah, I'd love to know that too. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was almost 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's a uh, that's so interesting because you you hope and and pray that he got it and he took that opportunity, you know to you do mm -hmm. and, and and as I said you know so much negotiating is is trust it's developing relationships yeah. just like parent child or husband mm -hmm. and wife or mm -hmm. boss subordinate if I don't trust you and and people would say to us you know hey I'll come out I'll put the gun down but you're gonna promise me I won't go to jail. And we would have to say, I'm sorry, but when you come out, you are going to go to jail. Mm -hmm. But then we would deflect the conversation to something different. Yeah. And, and the reason we did that, and this happened, is that a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, the same situation that got them to that point, they had a fight with their mother or something mm -hmm. like that, 
mom's still alive, mom's still antagonizing them. It was very, it happened several times where two years from now, we're gonna be back negotiating with that same person. And if they ever felt, hey, Terry, you lied to me the last time, well, my credibility's yeah, gone sure. and you're gonna have to bring in another mm -hmm. negotiator to mm -hmm. talk to them. Mm -hmm. Crazy, yeah. crazy. I would love to know what he's doing today. All right, so uh, number 10, principle 10. Love is the most important language, word in any language. Yeah, yeah, that came. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, I say they're not in any particular order. One's not any more important than number seven. Number ten probably is the most yeah. important one. Yeah. But it, it goes back when I was a kid. I was a huge fan of a basketball coach at UCLA mm -hmm. by the name of John Wooden, and and Coach Wooden was, at the time was probably the most successful basketball coach. And I hung on every word. I, and I remember, <clears throat> excuse me listening to an interview he was doing with a reporter and I had a pad of paper and a pencil and I was copying stuff down and you know I'm looking for some good X's and O's come on coach give me something yeah, good here yeah. and so I, and the coach asked him what's the most important thing that you want your players to learn about or you want your players to understand and I'm literally you know come on give me something good and he's like I want them to understand the importance of love now I was 13 years old I was like no what? no love what are you saying that's yeah. what are you that's crazy he said no I want them to understand the importance of loving themselves, of loving their teammates, and of loving what they do. Mm -hmm. Because if you do that, if you can start from a position of love, then you can do almost anything in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's why I put that in there. I, I It is the most important yeah. word in any language. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, my husband is a third generation KU grad. Okay. Um, so he's now you know, KU. I got to ask Kentucky or Kansas. 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 Okay. Yes, Where basketball yes. was started. Yes, there you go. Exactly. 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 <laughs> so I wanted to put that in there because y'all would have so much to talk about. Oh, we and, would. And yeah. I know these names only because of him. Like sure. I heard John Wooden, and you know. Anyway, um, yeah. It's uh, we're gonna go to a game here in a couple of weeks. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Well, not basketball. It'll be football. Football. Think, still. But, but yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the big Jayhawk on the court in <laughs> the field and that. I mean, <laughs> I it's so colorful. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I am uh, now a Jayhawk by default. So. Okay, but you, you have <laughs> yeah. to be, right? You married yeah. into the, yeah. 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 <laughs> All good stuff. Um, so when it comes to what you're doing now, so we've gotten through all the principles and they're all amazing. And so I want to say anybody who's watching this to just get the book because it's a really great book. And, you know, I think we all... We all need this. We all need to be opened up, I, I think. You know, and some of us are, you know, maybe plenty open. But I always want to um, learn more and, and, and read books like this that can help my own mindset, right? And right. help me learn and help me to grow. So, And I, can I, it's, yeah. it's also a book that it's not, you know, everything is sunshine and rainbows. Sure. I mean, there's stuff in there that... I struggled with that I had problems with that I'm not proud that that happened mm -hmm. so I want people to understand it's not just you know oh this is you know everything was great in my life no everything wasn't I there, I struggled for for some issues and things like that and I put those in the book to mm -hmm. help people understand that you can still learn as yeah. we've talked about yeah. from yeah. the difficult times in life well and it's relatable it, it, yeah. right I mean your story makes it relatable and and it helped I think it helped people say okay I he did it I can do it too exactly you know? absolutely yeah. totally yeah so your journey now, what is it that, so you don't, you, you're not, a, you don't work with people, or do you work with people? I, I, I don't. Yeah. I, I mean, I basically speak. You're That's, a speaker at yeah, this point. Exactly. Motivational speaker. Right. You get out. I know you've done, how many podcasts have you done now? Well over 600. That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> Holy smokes, it's a lot. 
Well, it, I, I do them on those weeks. And again, it goes back to what I was telling you about my, my father having a purpose. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll never forget what my first podcast, I had started my motivational speaking business and then COVID hit. Yeah. And like so many other businesses, mm -hmm. I, I had to figure out how to retool yeah. or re-deliver my service. Mm -hmm. And somebody reached out, reached out to me and said, would you like to be a guest on my podcast? And I said, sure. What's a podcast? What's a podcast? Uh, right. I did, honestly, I, I was like, what's a podcast? <laughs> and, and they're like, well, we kind of have a conversation. We put it on social media and, yeah. and we, we put it out there. And I said, okay, Nikki, when I first, I, I had posted notes all around the camera. Yes. And they would ask me a question. I would kind of lean in, yep. read the post. I was I was horrible. I was terrible. It was so, well, it's so scary. It is. First. It yeah. is. I, I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And I, I was talking to my publisher and I said, you know, Scott, I listen to every podcast I've ever been on. I said, because I want to have better stories. I want to mm -hmm. count how many times I say, um, or huh, and all that. He said, no, no, it's not about being good. It's just about not sucking. And I said, well, <laughs> thanks for the title of my next book. You know, just don't suck. And I said, but no, that's not what it's about. I want to be good. I mean, think about the first time you cooked a meal or you drove a car. Were you any good at it? No. I mean, same thing with being a podcaster or being on the radio. Yeah. You didn't yeah, yeah. know. Mm -hmm. But as you do it more, you get more comfortable with mm -hmm. it. And so, yeah, so I'm doing that. I'm, I'm writing a second book now and, and things like the, that. The so just don't suck book? No. It's, a, it's actually, we've got a working title called... Uh, Four truths and lie. Okay. So that's all I'm going to say about it right now. Oh. I, I haven't started writing. I'm researching, okay. but yep. I'm pretty close to starting to write. So. So will this be your second book? Th this will be my second It'll book. Be your second yes. book. And so, when do you do you have any idea when you might finish it? I, I don't know. I, I keep getting asked to do uh, to do writings for people. Like okay. I was just asked, uh, this person's putting a book together of people who have cancer and their cancer story. So mm -hmm. I'm writing that now and I'm mm -hmm. not writing my book, and, and that, which is great. I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I enjoy writing and that, that's, that's probably one of my stronger suits. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not great at it, but like everything else, the more you do it, the better you get at it. I think reading and writing go, to, go together. I read a ton mm -hmm. because I think reading makes me smarter, makes me more yeah. curious. Yeah. It, it makes me a better writer. So get out there, read books. It's true, it's yeah. true. I have, um, I have, Pieces of books, and about a quarter of them I still haven't read. Like, mm -hmm. I need to get to these books. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I love reading. I love reading. I don't love writing though. I'm not a very good writer. <laughs> yeah, I try. Yes. yes, there you go. Yes, yes. yeah, right. Well, AI is helping me with that a little bit. Oh, yeah, there you go. There you <laughs> yeah. go. I can, I can at least put the words in. It's like I, this is what I wanted to say. Make it sound good. Yeah, so it's really. It, it is. It absolutely is. <laughs> so, what is it at this point? So you're speaking, you're podcasting, you're writing. Are there things that you're still moving toward that you want to do? Uh, surviving, uh, sure. uh, honestly. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it, it, writing, podcasting, speaking gives me a purpose. It gives, mm -hmm. It's something I feel I'm supposed mm -hmm. to do right now. I mean, I get up every morning and I literally, you know, if you say, what are your goals a month from now or a year? I, I, don't, I don't have any, honestly. Okay. I really mm -hmm. don't. Mm -hmm. But I always ask God, it's like, what do you want me to do? Put me in a position where you want me to do what you mm -hmm. want me to do today. Yeah. And, and then I'll go with it. Mm -hmm. And that's so when people reach out for different things. And, and right now, I've got so many people that I've connected with either on, on podcasts or, or some other events that are struggling with cancer or heart disease and, and they're reaching out and they're like, hey, I need help, can we talk and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I spend so much time on the phone just trying to help these people yeah. do what they're doing. So mm -hmm. I, I'm gonna continue to do what I do as mm -hmm. long as I can possibly do it and yeah. 
people want to listen to me, great. If people want to, you know, book me to speak, that would be great. Yeah. But that that's really what I'm doing right now. I love that. I have um, I have a couple of places where, or I think some people that I would like to introduce you great. to. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, of course. I also have um, a, and I don't know if you're interested, and this is probably a topic for off radio, but I'm going to say it now anyway. Um, there's an organization or a company who is they're called um, Remission Nutrition. Oh, and never heard of them. yeah, yep. Yeah. So they are nutritionists who specialize in cancer and all kinds of different sure. cancers. Uh, there's an organization called Oncology Nutrition Institute. Um, okay. And so obviously they specialize in that as well. Sure. So I don't know if that's something that you're interested in, in meeting people who who specialize in cancer. I, I, I am because yeah. I, you know, I mean, your show's about nutrition and mm-hmm. I, I do do certain things. My, my wife makes me this, we call it the goop. And, okay. and, and the goop is literally honey and uh, apple cider vinegar, turmeric, uh, ginger, chai seeds, um, cinnamon, and one other thing that I'm missing. And we and you put it all and you, you store it in like a mason jar. Yeah. And I take a tablespoon every morning. Nice. And then I also do the cayenne pepper, mm-hmm. and, and this, this is gonna sound terrible, cayenne pepper and lemon yeah. in warm yeah, water yeah. every mm-hmm. morning. So I, I try mm-hmm. to do things, mm-hmm. and one of the diagnostic tools my doctor used to use was what was called a PET scan. Yep which is basically just injecting radioactive sugar into you with the idea of being that cancer cells have a higher metabolism. Mm-hmm. They will pick up that radioactive sugar at a higher rate than your re- regular cells will, yep. so they will glow on the yep. scan. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I'm not the brightest bear in the woods, but I, you know, it was like, well, maybe I shouldn't be eating sugar yeah. you know, when I'm a cancer patient. So I, mm-hmm. I don't, I try to do yep. more keto, fruits and vegetables, mm-hmm. lean meats, yep. that kind of thing, yep. and stay away from cookies and sugar and breads and yeah. all that kind of good, stuff. Good, good. So. Yeah, there's a lot of good data on keto. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's that's a good one. So yeah, if anybody's out there struggling, um, I am going to give them just a shout out because I refer to them all the time because right. a lot of people who are struggling with cancer, unfortunately. Um, and so I think if you know, if you want to reach out to Remission Nutrition or Oncology Nutrition Institute, they're really good, really good people. So um, anything that we want that you want to hit on that we haven't talked about yet? No, I, I'll. I'll leave you. I'll leave you with a story. Yeah. Um, I had a nurse recently ask me what it was like. I had my foot amputated in 2018, mm-hmm. and then my leg above the knee in 2020 in the middle of the COVID pandemic. Due to the cancer, yes. 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 All, all mm-hmm. cancer related. Mm-hmm. My cancer started on the bottom of my foot. I had a callus break open on the bottom of my toe, and wow. I had an incredibly rare form of melanoma. Mm-hmm. And most people think of melanoma as too much exposure to the mm-hmm. sun affects the melanin, the pigment in your mm-hmm. skin. This has nothing to do with mm-hmm. that. This is just a rare kind that appears on the bottom of the feet or the palms of the hands. There is an even rarer form of melanoma that appears in your mucous membranes, so in your nose or your mouth, but it's still melanoma. And again, nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. So she asked me, she said, you know, what was, what was it like to have your foot amputated and then your leg amputated? And I told her, I, you know, I'm six foot eight, so learning to walk again, falling is not an option. You get hurt when you fall from mm-hmm. this height. Mm-hmm. But what I told her was, Cancer can take all my physical faculties, but cancer can't touch my mind, mm-hmm. it can't touch my heart, and it mm-hmm. can't touch my soul. And that's who I am. That's who you are, Nikki. That's who yeah. everybody who's listening to us is. And we spend a tremendous amount of time working on this body. You know, mm-hmm. we, we go to the gym, we eat right, we, we get enough rest, we reduce stress. And I'm certainly not saying not to do that. But what I am suggesting is maybe every day, 
spend a little more time working on who you really are. We know this body's going to die. We know it's going to mm -hmm. decay and go mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. But I think our heart, our mind, and yeah. our soul, those things are eternal. Yep. Those things live on. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we spend nearly as much time working on them as we should. Agree. Agree. Thank you. Thank you so for having much. me on. I enjoyed yeah. talking with yeah. you. Yeah, me too. I've, I've been looking forward to this, and I'm grateful to have you have you come on. Come on anytime. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank really you. good stuff. All right. So thank you. Well, how can people reach you? So I have a blog called yeah. Motivational Check. Mm -hmm. Every day I put up a thought for the day. On Mondays I put up the Monday morning motivational message, which you can't say four times fast if you're drunk. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, that's all at motivationalcheck.com. So there was one that you have on here, and it is, <laughs> I think it was last week's. The more often a stu stupidity is repeated, the more it gets the appearance of wisdom. Yeah, Voltaire. How do you ensure your wisdom is not stupidity? I just went, holy smokes, there's a whole lot of that going on right now. <laughs> Isn't there? <laughs> That's probably a whole nother show, right? <laughs> yes, yes. I thought that that was amazing. So, yeah, I was digging around your website, and that just, just like, knocked me out of my chair. I was like, ah, oh, that's so good <laughs> and so true and so sad. <laughs> it is. All in one, right? It is. It is. It is. So thank you for that. Um, great website. Lots and lots of really great information uh, on the website, which is, did you already say it? Motivationalcheck.com. Motivationalcheck.com. All right. You can find me at tastelifenutrition.com and Taste Life Nutrition on all the social media. Of course, uh, we have the assessment on the website that you can fill out. I'll reach out to you and we'll chat about it. And then, of course, we have Soulful Conception. Soulful Conception is for those who are planning and preparing for pregnancy or maybe struggling. But I want my goal is to plan, prepare, and have you healthy so there's maybe not the struggle that there is and so that we can plan healthy babies, healthy families, and a healthy future because it is all in our control. We have so much control over uh, our own health and our future and we have a lot of control over our family's health. And what the data shows is we can impact seven generations. Our health today will impact seven generations ahead. So it's fascinating, puts a lot of accountability on us, puts a lot of control in our hands. It's very empowering and it's exciting stuff. So happy to chat about that if that's something that you want to chat about. Um, and we will see you next week here, of course, streaming live on KUHSDenver.com. See y'all later. Thank you. Thank you. Sneak around you so I can turn this off.